JD Setton back at it again. Here we go. Ooh, another day, another perplexity, another conversation. Yeah. Lots of guilt. Lots of lots. guilt about all of it. Yeah, lots of guilt. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we do yeah. it too much. We don't have enough time for it. We have right. things afterwards. Right. I don't prepare enough. I prepare too much. It's all guilt. Right, right. I feel guilty yeah. about feeling guilty. About feel, I feel <laughs> guilty about not feeling guilty. You know, for, yeah. <laughs> that, that really resonates, feeling yeah. guilty about not feeling guilty. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's yeah. really good. Reminds me of that, that Woody Allen line that something like, uh, I'd be an atheist, but I'm afraid God would, you know, strike me down. So (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So I, I have found it interesting that it's going, doing this podcast with letting go. It is on my mind a lot during the day, right? And I'm noticing different things. So I wanted to, I wanted to start by sharing a, uh, something that happened to me that this week that really brought up a lot of letting go mm-hmm. challenges. So I was flying on a business trip uh, earlier in the week. Usually I fly at a Newark airport. This flight was out of LaGuardia, which is an airport I don't like. Yeah, and my wife was encouraging me to take an Uber to the airport. It's like, just, you know, just take an Uber, it'll be fine. Like it, you don't have to have any stresses, but I thought that on the way back, I, it's, I don't like kind of having to catch Ubers like from crowded places and like figuring out like who's your driver and who's right. It's just, it feels like that's a little stressful for me. So I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to drive. It'll be fine. I knew there had been construction at LaGuardia, but I thought, you know, I knew the terminal was open. So I figured parking would be okay. So I decided to, to drive. So I get to the airport and first of all, it's still a construction site. So there's lots of traffic. Yeah, that's been, you know, it's backed up. Everything's moving slowly. When I get to the garage, they say, do you have a reservation? I said, no, I don't have a reservation. They said, well, we don't have any room. It's like, okay. So I went to another terminal to, to go to see maybe another parking lot had room. They all they said, do you have a reservation? No. I said, I said okay, well, all the parking lots are, are filled up you have to use offsite parking, right? Now, I was traveling with, uh, with, my, with my brother, so I was you know, expressing to him. So what I was feeling, now there's, there's a couple of things that are going on now. Now, one is I'm worried about missing my flight, right? But that wasn't what was coming up for me first. What was coming up for me first was, you're such an idiot. Like Mordecai, why didn't you just listen to your wife and take the Uber and not try to do this for your own like stupidity? You could have avoided all of this with just by taking that Uber instead of you know thinking that you knew better and and and, and driving. And I was was trying to think about like the well, what else is is there fear there also? And the truth was like I was getting there early. There was I knew there was another flight. There was a, the next flight was an hour later. Hmm. The event wasn't starting till a few hours after we arrived. So like, it was going to be okay. Right. So the fear was, you know, the reality was that it was going to be okay one way or another. Right. But this kept on this, this, that feeling of like, like I'm such an idiot. Why didn't I do this? And why am I sitting in this traffic right now? I was able to notice that though. Right. And so I was saying to my brother, like, it's so funny that I have this, these feelings like coming up, you know, that, that these, well, the thoughts really not the feeling mm-hmm. is the thought that was, that was coming up. Said, and I know that a few hours from now, and definitely like by tomorrow, I won't even be able to remember what I was upset about or what it, what caused it. Mm. Right. But now I'm like, just keep on having these, these feelings come up. So I was trying to, you know, just let them try to focus on the feeling. You let it try to let it go. And I can't say that I, that I got there. I still, I still felt the grip of it. But at least I noticed, I thought it was, it was positive to at least notice the grip and to be able to kind of joke about it even in the, in the moment. So I guess the two things I wanted to bring up was, first of all, just that, that noticing like what was that thought that was coming, like that it, it was that shame and guilt that like became that squeaky wheel as opposed to fear, you know, mm. overtook fear. Um, but also, you know, I was happy at least to, to notice the grip, even if I wasn't the most effective at just letting it flow through me. 
Mm. Yeah, no, that that totally totally resonates, and um, <laughs> it is also f- well, just a, a funny personal note. Like going back to New York and things like that changing. Like all of a sudden, you need reservations for parking, or you need to somehow book. It's just it's one of these. I don't know if it's just because I've been out of New York for a while, or if it's a sign of like really getting older in a certain way, bracketed of like, huh. Like really feeling right. like the rug's been pulled out from under you in right. terms of these systems. And I mean, you're you're you travel for business. You're not like someone who hasn't been on a plane in in years. And it's just so. There's something really, and I actually I wonder maybe what the emotion is of, of showing up and being told that like that's not how this works. And it's right. like, what? Wait, what do you mean? What am I? Am I that out of touch, or did I miss the memo, or? that 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 feels very uh, that feeling feels alive for me too of feeling like huh when did they change this who right why wasn't i told right but, mm. yeah so it's um but it, it but it's the thoughts it was what keeps on coming up is those the thoughts of like you're so like such an idiot why didn't you like, why didn't you listen <laughs> right and yeah, those thoughts are too. what keep you what keep you in it you know Mm. And sure enough, we, we, okay, we went to offsite parking. That was a little annoying, but we made, you know, we made the flight and it was, everything was fine. You know, and then mm. I was joking. So 30 minutes later, I was joking around about like how, you know, if, if we knew that this was how it was going to end up, you know, would, would I still have felt so stressed? Mm. Um, it reminds but, me of, yeah. of the line about, you know, you know how, you know, worrying is effective because 95% of the things you worry about never happen. Right. Uh, and, and there's something sort of to your point about seeing the thoughts, seeing the patterns, seeing the whatever. It's amazing. We make or and we feed or we allow these thoughts to help like carry these feelings and, and run away. And to your point, what happened? It You just spent less time in the airport and more time in your car. Like, right. Nothing, nothing actually happened. Right. In a way. Yeah. And even if I like missed the flight and couldn't attend the event and all, I mean, all right, like it's not, wouldn't be the worst thing. Sure. Yeah, that too. Yeah. But in the moment, you know, it, it, uh, that voice sounds, that voice sounds pretty loud in your, in your head. Mm, totally. I, I was, I was thinking about that a little bit with my own recent travels and just a lot of plans and moving parts and, there's a, a way in which the more carefully you kind of plan and consider and schedule and something that really hit home for me too is your point about if you missed that flight there was one an hour later and in my mind when i heard that i i sort of thought or imagined i was like right but when i plan my travel i have it so planned out like okay and if i get there early enough then i'll get to the hotel and i can exercise and change mm-hmm. and then go to and then so it's not that I would miss the the meeting or you know whatever it is you're going for. It's like the plan, the perfect, the the day I had structured for myself that I thought was the day that I you know wanted, needed, should have, is somehow being unraveled uh, by these by these other forces. And it, it almost feels like in direct proportion to the more I've planned and thought about something, the worse it feels. Mm when for whatever reason forces outside of my control it doesn't happen as if as opposed to just sort of you know showing up and being like okay yeah let's go oh right we can't make this flight sure yeah we'll get the next one whatever just hang out in the airport do my morning pages a little longer or read or do a work call so it's that's been an interesting tension i think i've been exploring or playing with a lot over the last couple of years in particular of noticing when that that wheel squeaks loudly. I'm like, oh, you're such an idiot. Why don't you do it this way? Or why did this happen? That's often a sign that I was putting a lot of stock in a certain plan or outcome. And it felt very important to me that it happened in this particular way, which is why I, you know, thought about it. And, you know, you left at a certain time making certain calculations and yeah. uh and yeah, that feels that feels spicy when it uh Oh, when it comes undone yeah. in that way. Yeah. I guess it, in some ways it's, you know, it's like the difference between catching a flight 
and catching a subway train. You know, mm. like like if if you you know subway, you're walking to the subway and you're like, all right, either I'm gonna catch like whatever train is is approaching, or I'll catch the one that's ten minute that ten minutes later. You know, if that, if I miss that one, like if I if I went to the airport saying, all right, I'm either gonna take the one thirty <laughs> flight or the two thirty flight, depending mm. on when I get to the gate. Right, that would be. Then it would feel okay. I would still feel stupid for having to be sitting in traffic, but maybe that would allow me to relax a little bit because you know I built in a you know another hour of time that I thought I might need. So mm. that is interesting to think about if you could be more flexible in your in your conception of mm. of plans. You know, and and uh, how much stress might be relieved, right? You said, like, I'm either going to work out at, at, you know, seven in the morning, or seven thirty or eight, you know, and maybe like, and if I don't make it there, if, if things get busy here, I can also work out at three in the afternoon, right? Like to build an optionality. Yeah, and and the bigger optionality too of like I might so like to your point I'll either work out before or if I have time at the hotel or maybe after the day of meetings it'll actually be a nice way to unwind or I won't today and right. and letting go of that is sometimes feels very hard and sometimes incredibly liberating for me of just being like oh right and then it, that also might that might not happen yeah yeah and just kind of sitting sitting with that and and I think to me it, it also another like angle of attack or approach on this question or issue is I sometimes w wondering more and more do do I always really know what's actually good for me I know what I want I want right. to have yeah I want to have the schedule I want to think that or I've wanted to think that working out seven days a week is what I, I need or ought to be doing but uh, maybe maybe like missing a day every now and then. Yeah, not, not, not that that's not so bad. Maybe that's, and this part of uh, letting go in some ways, letting go of of knowing and of the certainty in a way of like a letting go of my own convictions about what what's the best thing and what I need and being like, oh yeah, maybe maybe what I got today was exactly what I needed. Maybe not being able to work out today was exactly the whatever rest or foot off the brake that my body or mind needed and and again i say this this is not easy for me to do i struggle uh, or it's difficult but there are times like someone showing up late to uh, a get together or a meeting on the one hand i feel like oh man that's so unfair i i planned i got here on time i stopped doing what i was doing etc but Sometimes it's just like, oh, this is like nice extra free mental space time. And mm -hmm. I've been, since I started The Artist's Way, I've been carrying around different notebooks of different stripes. And when I have time, I keep one in the car and I can just sit there and write. Or I have my little pocket uh, Tikhanat Han or Pema Chodron mm -hmm. and like pull it out and do, or sometimes just look around or engage with whatever it is uh, uh, around me and, and just remembering in a very byron katie way like how do you know this is what needed to happen because it's yeah. what happened how right. do i know i needed to wait a half hour for my friend at the restaurant because i waited right and to find to you know as you said build an optionality i like that idea of building optionality more into just my mindset of life like okay i have plans i have goals i'm trying to make my flights see my friends do my things but whenever, whatever the heck it is that I conceived I wanted or needed to do that day doesn't happen, yeah. what are all the other kind of like the way in which we going through the sort of emotional chart or hierarchy, it's not that anyone is necessarily better. It's that if you're at a higher state, you can experience sort of the full range, the optionality, let's call it mindset. It's not that you know, reading my pocket Thich Nhat Hanh is better than a half hour with my friend. It's just, if I'm in a place where I can see that everything is available to me, I have access to it uh, all the time. Sitting in silence for five minutes, doing a puzzle on my phone, talking to, you know, the waiter or whoever happens to be next to me at the airport. Like, there are just so many ways we can 
engage and be alive and enjoy presence. And I think for me, it's recognizing that whatever plan I have in my mind is just, it's like getting stuck on one of these emotional rungs. I'm like, this is the, the only way I can have a good day. The only way yeah. I, is, is to do this. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So the other realization that I, that I had as I was going through this experience, you know, and I'm feeling frustrated and upset with myself. Right. And then I thought, all right, like, I think that what my job here is to make this flight, that that's the job. So, but, but really this is the work, right? The, the work is getting back to emotional equilibrium, even with those stressful thoughts and feelings that come up, right? That is the work, hmm. you know, the, um, I think it's maybe a John Lennon who said that, that life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. Mm. So I was thinking that you could, you, could, you could also say that the work is what you do while you're making other plans, mm. right? So it's like, you know, we, we think that, that it's like whatever it is that we wanted to do during the day, right? That's our job, right? That's our work is to, you know, is to go to the gym or to you know, make these phone calls or to make this flight. Right. But I think the point of this spiritual path is that no, like the work is to be able to maintain a state of equilibrium and peace, you know, to have your, your mind like, like water, hmm. you know, so as these things come up, really, it's like, oh, okay, this is the exercise, right? And do I want to be someone who gets stressed out? when some little thing goes wrong and now I have to like, you know, drive 10 minutes out of my way to find parking, right? Or would I rather be happy and peaceful? So again, it's not that I was able to, to get there, but, but that, that epiphany of like, oh, this is the work right here. This is it, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like we, when we sit in meditation, like, oh, that's when we do the work when like not when it's in total silence, when nothing <laughs> else is, is distract, you know, is, is in front of us. Like the work is what you do, you know, it's moment to moment as things come up, right? That, that is the, the work. Hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. I think it also, it's sort of, uh, it imbues every part of life with that special, like, this is, this is the real thing. Every moment is the real thing. Every, you know, you feel like to your point, it feels like in a way you're sitting, maybe, maybe there was traffic on your way to LaGuardia. I, I could only imagine, <laughs> you know, and you're sitting in traffic and it's like, well, this isn't the work. I'm in a car on my way to a plane to get to a building to give a lecture, right. which is my work. And right. it's now, like, now, 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 how am I supposed to meditate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, this is going to ruin my meditation. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Well, now it will, but, um, yeah, recognizing that that's the work. I, my um, personal trainer, who also does my like uh, MMA stuff, he talks about. Uh, he's a wonderful, wonderful man, and he he talks about how like the work is in everything you do. He's like, when you get up out of a chair, are you like leaning forward, kind of like an old person, and letting the weight, or are you actually like squatting yourself up and really engaging? Uh, hmm. your quads and your butt when you get out of a chair, when you mm -hmm. um, put something up in an upper cabinet, it doesn't mean you're not doing like an overhead 200 pound Olympic lift, but you're lifting something that's a little heavy. Are you really like, is your back and core stable? Are you lifting your arm up? He's like, hmm. that's, that's the work. He's like, we go to the gym just to like, you know, train, practice, explore, have fun. But the work is in your every, is in how you move. He's like, that's yeah. the interesting, that's the interesting hmm. stuff. And, and yeah. that's really been helpful for me on the, I don't know, personal training, physical front. And I think so too, with, uh, spirituality, maybe as opposed to religion, that that's what spirituality is, or even recognizing like, oh, I'm so angry right now. And just, just catching it. Maybe mm -hmm. you can't, maybe, you know, in the moment, I'm not always able to let go of it and I can feel myself fighting the reality but even that just to start noticing that i've been trying to to celebrate you know celebrate mm. i don't pop champagne but to be like whoa jd that's like 
That's really cool. You, you yeah, you caught, noticed. Yeah, you noticed, right? I, a part of me caught another part of me fighting mm. with reality. Yeah. That's like, to your point, that is like richer work than anything I'm about to do on the phone or with my email or, I mean, that can be rich work too, right? I mean, how do you respond to the, the person or the customer service rep who isn't helping you or whatever the heck is going on? It's all, it's all an opportunity to yeah. be, to be present and yeah. all the things that are showing up for us. Uh, again, those are exactly the things I think for that day, week, year period that like, that they're all options to, uh, I have a, a, an anecdote as well. I, I was thinking of, of sharing. So I've mentioned, I think I'm taking care of this, uh, very sick, uh, cat. I didn't know he was this sick when I uh, fostered him, but we really have like a 15 hour a day schedule syringe feeding almost every hour on the hour four oral meds, uh, two injections a day, subcutaneous fluids, uh, nebulizer. I'm probably missing things off the top of my head, but anyway, it's been a long week and a half and Monday night. Yeah. Monday night. I, um, was trying to give him his last feeding of the night. And you know, the good news is that like by Monday, so I'd had him for 10 or 11 days already. He was like much more alive than he, than he'd been, which mm -hmm. is wonderful. The downside is it just means it's harder to administer medications to like a, you know, healthier cat who right. he's very gentle. He doesn't bite or scratch, but he's like squirmy and pulling away. So I'm trying to squirt this gruel into his mouth and he pulls away the first time and he sort of pulls away the second time. And I only managed to get like half of what I was aiming for. And I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling bad about myself that I'm not an adequate caregiver. And I'm just like, you know what? I think this is all I have in me tonight. I'll give him his last shot and go to bed. So I'm administering the injection. And at the very last moment, he pulls away and some of the injection gets on his fur, which is problematic a little because this injection, the the fluids really burn. So now mm. I have to go and get like dish soap and a cloth and clean him up. And that's also painful and uncomfortable for him. And yeah. this is very hard for me. I don't like inflicting pain on living things, you know, mm -hmm. vegetarian, vegan, whatever. It's very, very difficult. And I also get this moment of overwhelm of like, I, can't, I have another 73 days of doing these injections. He hasn't eaten in 11 days on his, of his own accord. Like, what am I going to do? And I'm cleaning everything up and I'm really feeling like it's almost 11 o'clock at night. I'm wiped. I'm feeling like I'm not adequate. I'm not up to this task. He's going to be sick. He's going to die. I'm not doing good enough. And then all of a sudden I notice he's like pretty alert and all I can say is it felt like he was trying to tell me something. So I go into his room and I like playing around with the box. I keep his food in and he seems very alert and active. And I'm like, Oh boy, this is exciting. I take out all the food to take out the dry food. I take out the wet food. I take out all the snacks and he goes over to them for the first time and shows like real interest, like sticks his head mm. in the food bag, but he doesn't eat. And I'm like, Oh, we're so close to something. I know something is here. And earlier in the day for the first time, he just started licking water out of my kitchen sink in the sink basin itself. And I just scoop him up, put him in the sink, turn on the water. He starts lapping it up. I think, mm. okay, progress. I grab the, the chicken broth that I got that's for cats, doesn't have any spices or whatever. I pour that into the sink. I turn the water off and he doesn't notice. He starts drinking the broth. I'm like, this is amazing. Do mm. I do I let it go? Do I keep trying? I'm like, you know what? I just, this is happening. I take out his, the gruel mix from the fridge and I just grab handfuls and start plunking it down into the sink. Mm -hmm. And he starts gobbling that up hmm. too. Wow. Uh, and so for the first time in 11 days, he's had water of his own accord and food of his own accord. And what felt amazing about this was it came really like right at like my peak frustration, giving up, feeling, you know, shame, guilt, defeat, fear, anger, resentment, all these things like bubbling up with botching his, uh, his injection and botching his feeding. And like literally right on the other side of that was this like breakthrough in his mm. health and care. And I mean, it felt like truly magical. I collapsed on the floor and just like lay staring at the ceiling for a few minutes because yeah. I just could not believe the way it happened. And and I, I don't 
think that that's necessarily, you know, every time on the other side of pain is, is, you know, some like beautiful wild magic, but that did feel like, a, a, I don't know, a learning of sorts of, of thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm screwing it up somehow. And apparently I guess whatever I was doing led him to this point. And so when these things that you know, don't go our way. Maybe you miss your flight. Maybe you know whatever it is. Uh, feeling like somehow we've bungled something, and the mm. the the shame or the guilt or the 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 responsibility for like screwing it up. I mean, maybe, and maybe just on the other side of that is the bigger, better, whatever the heck it is you were you were looking for anyway. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know, but it was it was so wild. That's amazing. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, when you, you said at the beginning that you were thinking about the pain of doing this, this feeding, but what you said was, I can't believe I have another 73 days of this, you know? So what we do, I think is we mm. also interpret the, the current situation and then we kind of project out into the future. Right. And that into some catastrophic trajectory, right. Of like, you know, but if you thought that, if you knew that, oh my gosh, we're just five minutes away from a major breakthrough, right? Mm. Then you'd be like, oh, I can't wait. It's like, and, and, <laughs> and, and, after, and after the injection, like you, you know, you, you know, got some on, on the cat's fur. It's, it's like, oh, that's all right. Don't worry. Like we're there, three minutes left. Like that's, <laughs> you know, so it's, um, mm. yeah. But I guess, you know, one thing that we can pay attention to is when we're kind of catastrophizing, Right. And now projecting out into the future and saying, oh, now because of this, now all of these things are going to, this means something is going to happen in the future. And maybe it's 30 minutes from now, maybe it's, mm. um, you know, a decade from now, right. Which we also have fears about, yeah, but just, but if you always, if you always have the perspective of, which is five minutes away from a breakthrough, right. Then in terms of, dealing with your kids or, you know, or a business deal or whatever, whatever, you know, that's what an amazing perspective to be able to have. Mm. Yeah, totally. And, and I was noticing in myself, and this has come up a lot in the last week and a half, the way in which um, some of an aspect of this sort of planning and future thinking and worrying really does feel in a way that, that reminds me of, you know, he talks about how, um, uh, shame and guilt, the, the, the benefit, right. That we get from the, the, I can't and how that shields us or makes us feel safe or comfortable in, in this weird way of not taking the responsibility. Uh, feels similar in terms of the, the worrying mechanism of we worry in some ways to shield us from disappointment. Mm. Like when I think about it, it's like I worry or plan like, oh, it's gonna be another 73 days of having to do these injections and it's gonna be miserable so that when it's miserable, I'm not disappointed. If mm. I was thinking, wow, it's gonna be like amazing and then it isn't, that's disappointing. Mm. But in the same way that living in that shame and guilt and the I can't, yeah, you shield yourself from some disappointments. You're just blocking in a lot of ways for better words, your, your life force. I think so too with this worrying uh, to your point, if I'm sitting here thinking every day with this cat is until I get him through this course of injections is going to be miserable. Um, man, that, that, yeah, that protects me from being disappointed because I'm lowering my expectations, but I'm also closing off my, my, again, life force, my, my receptivity to, to other things. To your point, the breakthrough could be just around the bend or there, I mean, there are plenty of wonderful and beautiful and joyful moments with him, but I noticed this defense mechanism of adopting the worrying and planning and assuming, planning for and assuming the worst, uh, that, that's a comfort thing. That's yeah. a, a flimsy shield mm. uh, that, that I use in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the, the balance, but that's very interesting. Right? I mean, you, you do have to plan and you can be concerned about how things are going to turn out, but to also think that like, maybe you'd have to give up some more thought, but like maybe I'm just five minutes away from, you know, the breakthrough. 
Yeah. And, and maybe the better thing is about to happen. I, I had to leave town for the weekend. I was meeting my dad down in San Antonio and I found a, a foster sitter for him through the shelter. And I was so worried about bringing him to someone else for a day and a half because I was like, who else is going to give him this mm -hmm. care and map out this regimen? And and he had like the best time. It was this wonderful, warm, beautiful family who had another cat and a dog who loved him, who he loved. They were so like generous and gentle with him and with me. And they were like, anytime you ever need help, we're here. We love him. We support you. Like I was so worried about leaving him with, you know, a stranger and what would happen. And like, it turned out to be amazing. He had a great weekend. I was able to get like a day and a half break and be with my dad, which was really lovely. Yeah. And it's not that to your point. Yeah, you, we have to plan. That's part of being a human in this world. I, I needed to find a sitter that, that wasn't unreasonable. But the worrying part, it, it feels like it's part of this. Again, it's a defense mechanism. And it also feels like it's part of this like false knowledge and certainty of like, I know what's right. going to happen. I know what's good for me. I know what's good for the cat. And it's like, you know, like, let again, letting go of that, letting go of right. like that, that certainty that oh, I know what's going to, I know this is going to be difficult for him. I know they can't possibly give him the care and attention. And it's like, uh, maybe I don't know that. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe I, like you said, maybe I don't know that the next 73 days of injections are going to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. So I wanted to transition for, you know, we'll close out apathy, you know, sure. on, in, in, our, in our conversation. There's, you know, we talked about how apathy is about this idea of I can't, right? Now, I recently, I've been reading, or I'm reading a, a book about um, Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, it's or it's mm. one of their big books. It's it's called well, it's not the big book, which is their their main book, but I think it's called um, Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions or something like that. Yeah, twelve. I think Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions. So the the twelve step program for Alcoholics Anonymous, like if you when you meet people who are who are in AA, like these are very spiritual human beings. You know, and AA is an incredibly spiritual program. Now, the first step in the 12 step program is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Right. So to me, that feels like apathy, right? That feels like in, I can't, right? I'm powerless over alcohol. Right? My life is unmanageable. Hmm. So, and yet it's the first step on the road to this, to a new life, right? And to this spiritual uh, purpose, you know, that, that you find with people in AA. So how do you understand that? Like, does, is it apathy? Any thoughts on, on, on that? Yeah, I, I love that question. And my own knowledge or relative familiarity with AA actually mostly comes from uh, Infinite Jest and David Foster Wallace's journey through mm. there. So um, I have some some limited insight into it. But um, I was thinking about that when you sent that uh, over for, for discussion. And I think that there's a way in which that's that's what the letting go is. It's acknowledging that uh, in, in terms of the, the first step on the rung is acknowledging in some way apathy, acknowledging that I've been saying to myself, acknowledging, oh my gosh, I am not in control. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I think that is, you know, by acknowledging that and recognizing that we're not in control, that does enable us to sort of level up a little bit. Mm. So is that, so how do you get from there to courage? Like, how do you get from apathy to courage? So one of the things I, I was thinking about, so just, so the step one is we admitted we were powerless over our, you know, our addiction, that our lives had become unmanageable. Hmm. Step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 
Step three is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Hmm. And then there's other kind of practical steps about made a searching and fearless moral inventory. Uh, we admitted to God and to ourselves, to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs, and you know, it goes on from there. So this idea of, you know, but by the grace of God, we can't do anything. Mm. Right. So, you know, the, you can't wake up and open your eyes or take a breath, right. Without some force greater than you and God, you know, you can, it's, it can be God or whatever your belief is, but there, but there, that is this first step of it, of saying that like, no, I actually have no power over anything, right. There's some kind of a greater, you know, force and I'm going to give myself over. I'm going to recognize that and um, to turn my will and my life over to the care of, of, of God. Right now, to me, there's something about that where like, it's not, it, it can't be saying that you should just you now sit on your couch and just do, do nothing. Just wait for, you know, the, um, someone to buy a lottery tech ticket on your behalf. I think this is somehow the gateway to action. Mm-hmm. Um, but perhaps like there, to me, there was something comforting about that idea of, yes, like there's, I can't, I can't correct. Like I really can't do anything. Right. And, but if I have this greater force on my side, if I'm trying to live like with this greater force, well, then I can do anything. So I'm not just, so I'm, I'm playing around with the, with the idea and the balance, but there's gotta be something there. Cause it, it is like those first three things, which sound apathy are the gateway. It's really interesting because, you know, I think in a way, so looking at the map of consciousness, right? Apathy is towards the very bottom. Um, and then acceptance is right up there at the very top Hmm. and kind of what's the difference they Hmm. both they both feel in a way right like a bit of a passive like well things are happening to me uh and yet i think uh there's a i wish i had a visual this to share but my friend joey showed me this cartoon it's like these two characters on a bus and they both have the same thought bubble that says nothing, uh, you know, nothing actually matters. And yet one of them in like the bus, it's on the split screen, one of them on one side, it's like dark and doom and gloom. And the other one, it's like sunshine and, and rainbows. And it's the very same thought. Mm. And, and I think, or maybe there's a way in which apathy and acceptance or apathy and peace sort of are two sides of, of that coin. One can feel overwhelmed and burdened that everything, nothing's in my control. I don't matter. I can't do anything. And I think you could also say those same words with incredible like joy and serenity and even Mm. laughter Mm. of, yeah, nothing's in my control. I can't do anything. And that's so wonderful. Uh, yeah. And it's beautiful to, to live in that. So I don't, I think there are a lot of things that probably help separate those two, but yeah, I, I think there's also this interesting similarity and in part of letting go, right? This idea of letting go, we're letting go of control. We're mm. saying, we're, right, I mean, this whole book is about letting go is not white knuckling it on the wheel. I got to get there. This is so it's letting go. This is happening. Let go of it. Um, and hmm. that, yeah, it, I don't, I don't fully get it, uh, but it, the right, that feels like there's some weird yeah. shared traits between these things. Yeah. I think something that I still struggle with very much is that I, in terms of how you get to this, uh, to letting go, right. And how you achieve these virtual progress in many regards, I'm still trying to white knuckle it, you know? I'm thinking like, all right, if I do this meditation, right. And I can just quiet my, it's like, all right, if I just, you know, and I'll buy, uh, beads, it's like, okay, well that's you know, the help with my mom, you know, the mantra and that'll, you know, 
that's, that's the key. Right. But it's, you know, and then you get very frustrated because the thoughts are still coming up and you don't feel like you've made any progress. And it's like, you know, so I, and then you slide back into this apathy of like, like, maybe I just, I can't, like, I can't, I'm not going to, you know, I thought maybe I could do something in this lifetime. I guess it'll have to wait for next lifetime, <laughs> you know? Um, right. But there's a, um, there's a book called a course in miracles, um, mm. you know, which has, there's 365 daily meditations, but one, one of the themes in that book is that you like give that over to God. Right. And so as these thoughts come up saying like, I can't right. Offer that to God. Right. And just, and it, and there's a lot, there's several of the meditations where he said, don't try to think about anything, just wait for like the thoughts will come to you. Just wait for God to speak, like to hear God, but leave it to him. Right. That all, you know, the thoughts will come. And as other things come up for you, just give them, let them go, like offer them up, right. To mm. say, here's, here's this thought, do with it what you, what you want. Right. So, you know, there, there is, I think in some ways, maybe we do need to have more of, of that. I mean, apathy is, is maybe not the right term, you know, but, but there's some, some idea of like, even on the spiritual path, we're powerless to which to like the results are ultimately not in our hands, hmm. you know, but we can, we do the work as emotions come up, we try to feel them and let them go. But if you, if I wonder if, if you just, if we stop being so, so committed, cause even, even like how is in, in some ways, like I view my spiritual journey, kind of like, like catching an airplane, you know, it's like, I have a plan of where I want to go. Hmm. Right. And if I'm not getting there on, on, the schedule that I wanted, then I'm very, dis, you know, that I'm upset. Right. So the idea of letting go of, of that outcome of like, look, I'm going to do the work and I don't know if I'll ever achieve a, a state of total awareness or enlightenment. You know, maybe it'll happen when I'm 119 years old, like on the last day of, you know, before I die and that's okay. Hmm. Right. Or maybe I'm five minutes away from it, you know, but to realize that we're ultimately not in control of that achievement, we can do the work, but ultimately like when you get there, it's just something that happens on its, you know, almost like on its own. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I love that and feel similarly caught up sometimes in my own machinations and trying to get somewhere and destination and uh, goal orientation. And, and I think about some of the Alan Watts meditations and talks where he, you know, asks, so, so who's, who's beating your heart? Uh, who's, who's breathing? Who's breathing? And we're, we're not doing that, right? When you're asleep and you can't lift a finger or consciously summon up anything, you're somehow breathing and pumping blood and, and your cells are regenerating. So the idea of like giving up, it's, 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 it feels like it's another sort of just coming into contact with reality, recognizing like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm like maybe making decisions about what to have for lunch or whether to take an Uber or drive, but I'm actually not making any of the decisions that actually keep me alive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is that terrifying uh, and a reason to cower in fear? Or is that like joyful and a reason to like surrender in a, a lovely, a lovely way? It's a perspective thing. Sometimes it feels one way to me. Sometimes it feels another but i think about that when i was hearing you read the beginning of of that first step in aa of the powerlessness of recognizing oh yeah uh, i'm actually not caught the the conscious me isn't is not it can't do any of those things mm. you can't hold your breath past the point that you need to breathe 
Even Wim right. Hof eventually needs to breathe, right? Right. He, right? Whatever, he can go 10 minutes, a half hour, I don't know, but at some point he breathes, right. uh, uh, you know, a, a quote unquote, against his will. And, and part of one of the ways that I conceive of that giving up that feels nice is recognizing that the, the letting go is, is the sort of ego, self, spacesuit, whatever we want to call it, being like, oh, the ego that's, you know, JD, isn't that powerful and is recognizing that but the parts of me that are you know breathing regenerating cells just that's the again call it god call it life force call it whatever that is like we're all part of that me mm. you that the cat in the background the, the tree like we are all part of this like supreme the only power that there is yeah and and that's like incredibly empowering when we can, when I can remind myself that like, I'm just as much a part of that as any mountain, any dolphin, any dinosaur, you know, like we all have that. And that's like very enriching and empowering. And that, that balance of like apathy versus acceptance, accepting that, okay, the ego me, the me who, again, schedules and has conferences and flights and wants to like inject the cat properly, like, sure, that guy is pretty small mm -hmm. uh, and limited. Um, but the other parts of me that I share with Morty and everyone else and everything else, that's, that's the big, that, that's the big cheese, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, they're, they're definitely, I, I feel like if this, that first step of, of admitting that we we're powerless, I feel like a lot of people would take issue with that, right? So like, what do you mean you're powerless? Like, of course you have power, right? Like that would be, you know, they, you want to believe that we have power in this world. I think, you know, in terms of even the beating heart, you know, there's so much mm -hmm. focus now on longevity. And in some ways, I think that's also part of that same, it's like, well, no, I don't want to die you know, at whatever, 95 or hundred, like I want to live till 150 or 200. Right. And, and I want to be able, I do want to be able to control my heartbeat, hmm. you know, right. But realizing that, yeah, like your heartbeat, I have no control of my heartbeat. And sometimes I'll notice that it's just, it's beating faster because of, I don't know, something that I ate or medicine that I took you know, or, um, I'm thinking about something, you know, it's like, am I making my, it's just, it's there. Right. So the same way that we can't control our, our breathing and, and our heart beating, um, there is a comfort in just saying that, that there's, um, yeah, like my bot, like my, my body is going to do what it, what it, what it does you know, my mind. And also, and I guess another, the other thing is that my mind is going to do what, what it, what it does, right? These thoughts that are coming to me, did I make myself think, Oh, you're such an idiot. Why didn't you like take an Uber? It's like, it came up like it, it just came from somewhere, right? I didn't have control of that thought. So I can also don't have to identify it because it's not, I didn't have mm. control. So I can, I can start to see how there is that, that pathway. Yeah, and something that that reminds me of in my experience that I've been trying to be more open to is recognizing that well, what's a problem, right? Mm. Like what what's a problem? Okay, so shit, I got this uh, burning fluid on my cat's fur. Oh, wait, did I do that on purpose to torture my cat? No, I was trying to medicate him. He pulled away. What what's the problem? I went to go clean it. The problem is something that. I've created in, in my head because of some of these, you know, un unhelpful, shall we call them, or unkind maybe voices or thought patterns. But what is actually the problem? Like, what is the problem if you would have missed your flight? What is the problem if you get stuck in traffic much longer? What is the problem if a friend stands you up for dinner? Where, like, kind of like that story of a guy says, oh, master, pacify my mind. And the master says, sure, show me your mind and I'll pacify mm. it. I feel like, show me, show me your problem. 
Right. And, and again, it's always easier to say to someone else. I'm very, I'm very aware that when it right. comes to, but I've been trying to like pick that apart. Like when I was worrying, even before the sitters who, who watched the cat were turned out to be these amazing, wonderful people. It's like, what's the problem? Right. Where, where is the, pro or like at some point, would I even get sitters? I'd be like, okay, what's the problem? Then I won't go to San Antonio to see my dad for the weekend. Like, is that a problem? Hmm. I don't know. You know, it's, it's a problem because I made it that. And, and again, Byron Katie asked not fighting with reality is like, if something comes up, it's just as much a part of the universe as every other part of the universe. Yeah. The part of me that beats me up is as much a part of me as the part of me that, you know, pumps my blood or has warm, loving thoughts. So why banish it? Why be upset about it? Why whatever? And, yeah. you know, again, you can do that sort of ad infinitum with every thought and every uh, response thought, but this notion that there are problems that we need to solve, states we need to get to, things we need to fix, it's all part of the same God. Yeah. Being distracted during meditation is the same reality as meditating. Right. Right. It's like, we don't, but we think, oh, that's a bad thought. Right. 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 Oh, I did, I did bad. Damn it. My monkey mind. It got, got me again. It's like, yeah, right. well, we're monkeys. So, sure. Right. And that's, and that's the work. You know, Sean Stevenson says um, that life happens for you, not to mm. you. You know, so like that problem that comes up with who's going to watch my cat, right? The bottom line is like, that is the next stop on the obstacle course. You know, it's how, and it's not about like how to figure out the solution to the problem. It's how do I stay JD, you know, even through this, right? How mm. do I still stay present with the moment? with this, with existence, even through that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lovely reminder when I, and, and to your point, maybe that that's part of why, um, I think about that scene, I forget in which one of the recent Batmans, uh, the Christian Bale Batmans it was where it like flashes back to him as a boy falling and his father, uh, you know, before Bruce Wayne's father gets murdered says, you know, why, you know, why do we fall Bruce so that we can get back up again? And I think, why do we run into these snags in our mind or in our life? Mm. It's just so that we can recognize, Oh yeah, this is life. This is life too. Right. I've this seen is this life before. Too. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 Oh, right. right. Okay. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just a reminder that like this is all part of that same flow and we're yeah. going to stub our toes and trip over the same obstacles we always do because that's that's the power that's in some ways that's the powerlessness and the beauty like yeah i'm jd i overplan, i self-flagellate i worried i mean like yeah of course of course i'm going to trip over all that yeah that's not well i think that's a great way to close out our discussion <laughs> on apathy Oof. and stay tuned that we'll leave that on, on, an, on an up note. Our next <laughs> stop on the train is the exciting emotion of grief. So grief. we'll chapter five. So we'll handle that next time. Sounds good. Have a great trip, Morty. Stay right, perplexed, everyone. And we will see y'all soon. Sounds great. Talk to you soon, JD. Pleasure. Bye. Bye.